Last week we talked about baggage. And so if you remember, I had all kinds of different sets of baggage up here on the stage. And there was just bags everywhere. Well, most of those bags were mine. Now, what do you want to say about Jared's baggage issues or uh, whatever? We can, we can talk about that later. But most of those bags are mine. Most of them were broken. Remember, the, the point of last week was my best piece of baggage is broken and it hinders me. My absolute best is broken and hinders me. Well, we had all of this baggage up here, and so I put them all back in there. They're you know, the Russian little whatever dolls. And so you just keep on stacking them back in, stacking them back in, and put them in, fill the back of my truck with baggage. Fill it. Well, I went home. Do you think I took it out of my truck and got rid of it? Ooh, left in the back of my truck. Took a nap. That's what I do on Sunday afternoons. If you want to talk to me about 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, good luck. I will be comatose. This is what happens to me on Sunday afternoon, all right? So I I take a nap with the intention that once I woke up, I would go relieve my truck of the baggage. Did I do this? Nah. Next day comes. Left the baggage in the back of the truck. Next day comes. Leave the baggage in the back of the truck. Some of you are thinking, it rained those days. It's okay. I have an avalanche. It doesn't water. It's waterproof. There you go. Uh, so it's, the bags are still in there. They're perfectly fine and protected. Until me and Kevin go on an errand for the team member banquet um, this week. Open up the tailgate. We, got, we went to GFS. We, I mean, we bought the store out. Open up the tailgate. There is no room for the things that we bought because of the bags that I'm still carrying. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. We're done. There is no room for it to move on. There's no room to, to do what we need to do. There's no room for the good things of life because I'm still carrying the baggage. And get this, I'm carrying your all's baggage from all week around. And some of you, some of you carry other people's baggage around and there's no room for the good things of life. And we haven't even started today. I just, that happened, and I looked at Kevin, and he just starts laughing because he's like, well, that's going to make the message this week. <laughs> and that, as we study Hebrews 12, as we look on this, this scripture, we have to think about the bags and the, the baggage of life and the stuff that we carry that doesn't need to be there anymore. Because as we run the race of life, what is entangling us? What is hindering us that maybe we're carrying from a lifetime ago? That's still weighing us down. That we've put that bag down, but then, oh, you know what? It's empty now. I got forgiven of that, but I still carry it around. Guess what? An empty bag is still an impediment. Right? Those things are heavy when they got four of those empty bags inside. That's heavy. My best baggage is broken. It hinders me. I preached that sermon last week. I want to do it again. mm, We need it. We need to get rid of this stuff. Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out with us. Out for us, sorry. What we're going to talk about today is how to finish well, how not to pick up these bags, how to stay true and and run well to the end of our race. Yesterday, I went to Indy 500 time trials. Now, I'm not a big race fan. I'm not. Kelly, huge race fan. She grew up at the track. 
Her dad uh, just was a, owned a car parts store, sold auto parts. He was all into it. Kelly has a spreadsheet. You guys, anybody who's a spreadsheet person, you'd love Kelly at the Indy 500. She like, whose tires are what, whose engine, whose chassis, who, who's the owner of this, that's, I mean, it's, it, I'm like, okay, where did she get a laptop to do an Excel spreadsheet? Like, where did that come from? It's, it's nuts. And I just know not to talk, right? The Bowen, Bowen's like, what's this? Shh. <laughs> She's in math mode, honey. Right, just calm down. <laughs> Wait for it. And then she continued to teach him all, all this stuff. It was really cool um, to watch her just share this passion that she has um, for, the, for the Indy 500 uh, to our son and, and to our daughter. And that was just really neat. And so I was just like, <laughs> instead of getting all into the racing, I'm looking for sermon metaphors. This is what I did all day long. This is how my brain works. And this is what happened at the Indy 500 in the time trials. This is incredible stuff. Looking at these, these machines is amazing. They're going 300 and, or no, 231 miles per hour around this track. That's fast. 231 miles per hour around this track. That's the fastest of them. They put restrictor plates on them because they started flying away. And we're like, oh, well, that, people are dying, so let's not do this anymore. So they, put, they, don't, they can't go much faster than that. That's max as they can go. But the slowest of the 33 people qualifying yesterday was going 225, 226 miles per hour. There is a very little difference in 231. I don't know if you and I could really notice a difference between 231 miles per hour besides, you know, 231, 226. But for them, it's a lifetime. It's a million dollars worth of difference. It's this little bitty thing. Because why is there a difference in speed? Things that are hindering them. These little bitty fins and stuff that's on there that they can change in their cockpit. And you can see, see them hitting these levers and pushing these buttons. And little bitty things are moving millimeters so that they're not hindered and not held back anymore. So they can go around this racetrack just a little bit faster. It's amazing to watch. As we close out our race, the whole point of why they're adjusting and, and tweaking and, and moving things is so that they can get around that track, finish the race with nothing hindering them going around as fast as possible. Some of us, we feel like we're running this race with a parachute deployed behind us. And there's a guy, um, one, one of the drivers got out. He did pretty good. He got out, and he, his eyes are like this big because we could tell by watching on the video and watching him run, his back end was so loose. He's just, Wah! and then going wide open as fast as he can because he's trying to qualify well. But he was scared. He's like, we got to fix it. We gotta f- you had a great run. No, we got to fix it. Like, that's all he could say because he was scared to death. And some of us feel like we're running through, we're running through life that way. It's white knuckle the whole time. We don't know what our back end's doing. We don't know where we're going. How are we going to close this down, get it ready to go? And that's uh, kind of what we're talking about today. Luke 11, verse 24 to 26. This is a very interesting passage, um, and we're going to break it down a little bit, but we'll talk about it. Um, Luke 11 says this, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, when your baggage has left, it goes to the arid places of the desert, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. When it goes, then it goes out take, and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than the first. Now, am I telling you all you're demon-possessed? No, that's not what I'm saying. 
it, you know, there's a big thing called spiritual warfare and demon possession, and we can talk about that later. That's not necessarily what we're going today. We'll allude to it a little bit. But um, this cycle, if you can see the cycle in Luke 11, this is what happens. We get rid of the past behavior. We get rid of whatever that is. We get rid of it. We think it's gone. We clean the house. Everything's nice and and neat and tidy inside. And because we don't infill it with the Holy Spirit, whatever that is, if it's an emotional baggage, spiritual baggage, if it's um, demon possession, if it is addiction, whatever that is, if we do not fill that with the Holy Spirit, it comes back seven times stronger. That's what the scripture's saying here. Does this make sense? So when we say, yo, I thought I got rid of that bag and now it's back stronger than ever. I thought I quit smoking and now I can't like, can't not do it. I thought I got rid of this. I thought I got that person out of my life, but now they just, they are attached. How do I do that? Because they came back. And this is the cycle we go over and over and over and over again. And so we're gonna go through that cycle and how to break this cycle. Here's the steps in that cycle. The first step in the cycle is freedom. We experience freedom. We experience freedom from the bondage. We have been released, right? The, the, the evil spirit has been kicked out. The, the addiction has been broken. That habit has been neutralized. Whatever that is, we break it. We experience freedom. And this is a good thing. This is fa- fantastic. The second step, though, is this. We experience prosperity. In our freedom... We get our stuff cleaned. We're excited. This happens in our, in, our, in our country and our government. We experience freedom. We experience prosperity. And then there's another thing. We experience prosperity. And prosperity leads to a couple things. It leads to one of three things. You get arrogant in your prosperity. Oh, I got it put together. I'm doing great. I've got this. I've got this, this life thing is whipped. Or we get complacent. Eh, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to go out. Or we stay on top of it. Unfortunately for all of us, I think staying on top of it and staying free is probably the, the smallest answer to these things. We either get arrogant or complacent, and that's what brings us back into our third step in the cycle in bondage. When we get arrogant and we get complacent, it sucks us back into this cycle where we need to be free again. Right? It's just this typhoon type thing. We did it. Prosperous? Oh, I need it out again. So why it feels like, man, I gotta, I gotta ask for forgiveness again. I gotta do this again. This person's back in my life again. Because we don't break the cycle. How do we break this cycle? Galatians five one says this: It is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. First step in breaking the cycle is humility, humility, humility. There's two truths about life. You will either be humble or you will be humiliated. This is going to happen. You will be humble or you will be humiliated. Psalm 51, 1 through 2 17 says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The sacrifices of God, of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise me. This is David speaking, a king 
He's got everything going for him. And yet his humble spirit is what sets him apart. On your very best day, on my very best day, I am not worth the love of God. On my very best day, when I am killing this fatherhood thing, when I'm doing great as a spouse, when I'm doing great as a pastor, I am still not worth how much God loves me. I can't, I can't earn it. I can't do anything about it to go, oh, well, I just, God should love me. I mean, look how great I am. Never can I get there. Never can I achieve that. And in that humility to say, God, I'm still, I'm, thank you, God. I, I still have to have the attitude of thank you for my freedom. Thank you for the prosperity. Thank you for be, being able to, to go through this. And in that, we don't get back into our bondage. Do you see that? that? We can run the race better when we stay humble. Second step in breaking the cycle is honesty. 1 John 1, 9 through 10 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. James five sixteen says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you can't be honest, you can't finish the race. We have to be honest with ourselves. I think sometimes everyone else knows the truth about us except us. We've built up walls and things in our lives to say, yeah, everything's okay, everything's okay. Really? Because it kind of looks like your house is on fire. No, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's just the microwave's burning the popcorn a little hot. No, it looks like you've got a three-alarm fire going on there. No, I'm okay. We can't be honest and say, no, 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 that might make me look bad. That might, you know, someone might think different. They already think different than you. You're just lying to yourself. We have to be honest with ourselves and with God. And thirdly, the most important aspect of this is we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. As we talked about before with the, with the demon possession thing, just real quickly, this is a, a, not even a one-on-one on demon possession or what that looks like, is that a, a demon cannot exist in the same place that the Holy Spirit is. They, they, that's, that's like, that, that doesn't work. So if you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling in your life, you don't have to worry about demon possession because the Holy Spirit is there alive and will kick anything out of its dwelling. That is how that works. The problem in the scripture that we read is that there's nothing filling the house. It's just clean, right? It's just open there. So whether or not, and this works not, put demon possession aside, works with addiction. It works with all the other kinds of aspects we're talking about as we fill those, that hole, that, that void, whatever that is in our life with the Holy Spirit. So we have addiction to cocaine. We have an addiction to gambling. We have addiction to gossiping. We have an addiction to video games. We have addiction to Facebook. I, we can run the whole gamut. You're like, whoa, some of those are much more serious than others. No, not really. They all can, can, can kill you and kill your spiritual life. We fill it with the Holy Spirit. I was talking to Gene this week, and he told me, he said, Jared, I was reading, reading this week, and I read, came along this sentence that said, it's a whole lot easier to move a car when the engine's running. Hmm. This is Thursday. I mean, I was done with my message. Tuesday and Thursday happenings were, you know, were great for this. But it's a whole lot easier to move a car when the engine is running. And so 
let me take you back to the Indy 500 yesterday. These are the most powerful machines on the planet. They sound awesome. You know, it's, it's opened up a whole new sound effect thing for me. Um, so you go, <laughs> you're watching this happen, but we're sitting <coughs> up. We thought we were getting great seats because I've never been there before. Like, oh, let's sit here. It's closest. Well, if you sit closest, you can't see jack squat. So we, as, as we got farther and farther in the day, we got higher and higher and higher and higher. Actually, I was just lazy. I didn't want to take the cooler up all the flights of stairs. But um, Kevin was bit, beating me in my Fitbit war. So I, I was like, oh, let's go more stairs. Uh, so I'm competitive. It's okay. So we walked up. We kept on going up. And now you can see turn four and turn one and the pits right in front of you. And where we're sitting is the cars come out of where they've, uh, where they've been worked on. And so they've taken them back and they've tweaked them and said, go try this again and go faster. And they take them back and they go work on them and come back and go faster. So Bowen is just like, Ooh. if you've ever seen a six-year-old sit that still for that long, you know he is engaged, right? So all this is happening and we're watching it. But as they come out, as they come out, these amazing, I don't even know how many horsepower in these engines, amazing machines are moved by one man with a hand truck. Think about this. You have a car that can go 231 miles per hour moving at 0.02 miles per hour because it's pushed by one guy with this silly little hand truck moving it around, and they're trying not to bump into anything, and they're, they're, they're walking around. You have an engine with limitless possibility. Yet we relied on a guy moving with a hand truck. You see the problem with this. Now, of course, it's better because they couldn't. There's a reason they do that, but you get it. We're living lives where we're moving and relying on people with hand trucks to get us where we're supposed to go when we have access to the most powerful engine the world has ever seen. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, wants to unleash us in because he wants to see us go. This is how he has wired us. But instead, we rely on people with hand trucks to move us places. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe they're not qualified. If I would have gone out there with the hand truck, I would have wrecked the half-million-dollar vehicle, right? Like, Sorry, Mr. Andretti. <laughs> you know, if that would have been me. There's a guy. He's the mo- these are the most talented drivers in the world, and they're entrusting someone who is not talented moving them around with a dolly. Think about this. We do the same thing. Sometimes I get to play the role of the guy in the hand truck. That's about the extent of the power that Jared Hauser has, is I'm the guy with the hand truck picking you up and move. All right, here's the starting line. Now go for it. Because the Holy Spirit and power can take you farther and better than anything I could ever do for you, any book that you can ever read, any worship song you can ever sing, any pastor, any class you can ever take. The power of the Holy Spirit is a limitless possibilities for you and limitless power for you. If you want to break the cycle that sin and baggage has for you, you have to engage the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We have God encounters, and we remember these God encounters. We have to rely on how God has been present with us in the past to take the steps in the future. There's a guy in the scriptures, Genesis chapter 32, man named Jacob, and he has one of the most significant God encounters 
in the, in the scripture. It's one of the most unique God encounters. And it's a God encounter, I think, that we can identify with. And I want to take you through that and show you how you can identify with that today. It's Genesis chapter 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? And Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you, you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. It wasn't a man. It was God wrestling with Jacob. Anybody in here feel like we've wrestled with God? So out of Jacob's wrestling with God's story, there's some, some things we can take a place, take away from it to go, that's how... <clears throat> I can remember my God encounters. That's how I can remember what the Holy Spirit can do in my life. This is how I need to remember what the Holy Spirit is capable of, not the baggage of my past. How do I remember that? And this is what Jacob does, and it's an example to us. He gleans a new strength from his encounter with God. Think about it. He has, has a dislocated hip. So every step that he takes, he gets to remember the night he wrestled with God. Now, you can be a negative and be mad at God. God gave me this limp. Think about it. Every step he takes, he remembers when he was holding on to God. And some of us have wounds and some of us have stuff in our life where instead of thinking about how bad that was or how much that hurt us, we get to think how we wrestled with God because there's one simple truth about wrestling. You cannot wrestle someone and not be present with them. You cannot wrestle someone and not be face to face with them. He gleans strength from that. 1 Corinthians 2 Three through five says this, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Second thing that Jacob gleans is a new identity. A new identity. He gets a new name in this deal. A new Name. He goes from being Jacob to being Israel. Now, this is incredibly important because he is renamed. Jacob represents being a person who is a liar, who is a cheap, he is a jerk, basically. If you read, I know I'm calling one of the patriarchs of the Bible a jerk, okay? That's what it was. He was not a nice guy. He was always conniving, always trying to get his way, always just trying to figure out how he could do. And in that moment, in that wrestling with God, he is renamed Israel. You have wrestled with man and with God and overcome. You are now not someone who is a cheater, but an overcomer. Come on. That is a difference in name, and that is who we can be in 
Christ. Because our past says we are a cheat. We are a liar. We are a stealer. We are a whatever it was that we were. But when we meet God face to face, he changes our identity to be an overcomer. Some of you today need to step into this new identity. This is the encounter that can release you from all kinds of bondage and all kinds of baggage. This is the the thing that can break the cycle for you is recognizing a new identity in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The old Jacob is gone. The new has come. And this is about the, 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 pack, the baggage stuff. But I used to do this. I used to, whoa, whoa, whoa. The old is gone. The new has come. But no, no, no. The old is gone and the new has come. Come, Jacob gets this when he is starting to, he's been on this crazy journey. He's picked up all these weird things. He's actually gotten some wives out of the whole deal. He's done all kinds of weird things, cheated out his brother out of a birthright and just all kinds of stuff. And he's getting ready to step foot into his inheritance and who he's always supposed to be. And this is when God changes his name and says, you are not that anymore. You are a new creation. You are an overcomer. The third thing is, Jacob gleans from this encounter a new joy. He moves from that place knowing that he has wrestled with God and seen his face. Psalm 1611 says this, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God gives us a joy or a blessing that gives us the strength to finish the race. It gives him a new joy. It's just, he calls it palel. He, he, he remembers this moment of when, that's the moment I wrestled with God, and he was near me, and he called me to something more. This is how we break the cycle of returning to our baggage and our stuff and our junk. We fill it with the Holy Spirit. Maybe today you're in one of these places. You feel like you're wrestling with God. Don't give up. Finish the race. You feel like maybe something inside you has been broken. Don't give up. Finish the race. God is with you through the race. When we remember back to these encounters, we can have the strength to persevere. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Indy 500 is next week. Kelly's got a ticket. She's all excited. She's got the golden ticket. The rest of the family gets to stay here. She's going to the, the race. But there's something universal about those drivers on next Sunday. It doesn't matter if like a wheel falls off. They're going to finish that race. At mile 300, they don't call in on the intercom and be like, you know, I'm a little tired. I'm going to pull over, take a nap. You know, I really got to go to the bathroom. Can we have a pit stop here? It's not going to happen. 
They're not going to get on the phone and be like, you know, I want those old tires, the tires I had for the last 50 miles. Those were great tires. Yeah, they're about ready to pop and they might kill me, but could we put those back on the car? Because that would really be great. That's not, that's not going to happen because they're focused on finishing the race. As we think about our lives and think about where we're going and and how we're walking with God, how can we become laser focused on finishing the race, on throwing off everything that hinders us and binds us and entangles us? Don't give up. This morning, some of you needed a new identity in Christ. Some of you need to leave the old here. Some of you need to move on. And as the band comes up, I want to pray for you that today would be a moment in which we experience and remember the face of God, that we experience wrestling with God. Instead of going, oh, I'm just getting beat up, that we go, we get to see being held close by God. God, thank you so much for today. And for those of us who need new identities in you, we need to recognize what you're doing in our life. We need to recognize all that you are to us. God, some of us come in this place in a place of desperation. We're entering a new phase of life. We are tired of the old life that we have, whatever that looks like, God. We, we know that we cannot get out of the cycle of bondage by ourselves. So God, right now, I just ask that for me, for those of us in the room that need this, that we, we become new creations in you, that you take our past and throw it away and give us a new name, a new life in you, Jesus. God, we submit ourselves to you and to your will at this time. Some of us have been cleaning our house for a long time. Some of us have been, we got everything in order and we think we're nice and neat and we don't understand why we keep on getting attacked. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to reside in us. That you would make your home in us. That we could tap into the limitless power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That instead of relying on people with hand trucks, we rely on you. God, would you power us? Would you give us the courage? Would you give us the stamina to persevere and to finish the race? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.